2: You're listening to a hundred words or less with Ray Harkins. What is up, you podcast-listening humans who care about independent music? That's why you're here, right? Or maybe you just tripped across this show in some other method, but come on in. We welcome all of you. I don't care how you got here. You're here now. Let's hang out. If I could pour you a cup of coffee, I would, but I can't. Well, more on that in a moment. I technically can, sort of. But I am thrilled to welcome the guest on this week because I became obsessed with her music probably about, I don't know, seven, eight months or so ago. And uh, got the chance to see her play in another band, which uh, she toured with, I called it Trauma Ray, who is also very good. But her name is Haley Butters. She plays in a, she would disagree because I actually talk about the band name, but probably one of the cleverest slash wittiest band names that I personally get a chuckle every time I say. And that is Absinthe Father. It is, oh man, I love it. I Just, just saying it right now makes me really happy. But Haley has been playing under this moniker for quite some time, and uh, she's also extremely active within the punk and hardcore scene. She knows everybody, and I mean that in a very positive way, because sometimes, you know, those people who are busybodies, who are just like, oh man, I don't know about them, is not one of those people. And uh, yeah, I became obsessed with her, and I had to have her on, because I wanted to know about the origins of everything her and in relation to her. And she was so forthcoming in regards to just not only sharing your story, but answering my questions very uh, plainly and honestly. And it's uh, it was it was great. So let's talk about LDB Fest. I'm going to be posting because I know a few of you have reached out and saying, hey, when are you going to post those live chats you did at LDB Fest? I promise I am going to get around to those probably come late, maybe mid to late April. They will come soon, and they those chats are really fun because it's a whole different set of energy when you're doing a live podcast in front of people. You can always reach out to the show, 100 podcast at gmail.com. I love to hear feedback, guest ideas, whatever the case may be. Love that stuff. And if you want to support the show, this will take 30 seconds out of your day. It's absolutely zero cost to you dive into the Apple Podcast page, leave a rating and or review. Both of those things help. And then on Spotify, if you listen to it in this platform, you can definitely just give a a star rating. No reviews there. They don't like reviews. But uh, yeah, star rating. That always helps out the show. And I know you probably are like, Yo, you say this every week, and every podcast I listen to says that every week. That's because not everybody listens to every single podcast. So for the you, the, the faithful few that listen to this on a week-to-week basis and also get punished by other podcasts, there's a reason that we ask for this. So go ahead and do it. Maybe just do it for me today. Do it for another podcast you listen to tomorrow. And then that way you're like, you know what? I've, I've got all my um, due diligence checked through. I've supported all of my podcasts. So um yeah, let's talk to Haley. I was going to you know, launch into some other you know, diatribe, but there's no reason to. I just want to talk to Haley because this was a nice, long conversation with her, and uh, her music needs to be heard. So if you have not checked out Absinthe Father, I'm obviously going to play a little bit of it as we head into the interview. But um, yeah, you need to check out Haley. But first, before we speak to her, I am so thrilled to work with this company, and that is Bodie Leaf Coffee. They are an importer, roaster, and coffee bar based here in Orange County, California. And if you know me at all, you know that I love coffee. I actually didn't start messing around with coffee until about, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago, basically right before my son was born. I was like, I need to to do something adult-like because I don't drink. I don't do those other things that people do. So like maybe try coffee. And then I became obsessed with it. But... Whether you're a home roaster or someone who's like super, super nerdy about coffee or just a solid cup of joe in the morning, Bodhi has you covered. Trust me, I love Bodie Leaf and what they do. Not only does their coffee taste absolutely incredible, but they have all these really cool stores. If you're ever in Orange County, dip in. They know what they're doing and they're being, oh man, I just do a French press in the mornings and oh gosh, I'm off and running. It's great. But I want to give you a discount. off using the code 100WordsPod using their roasted coffee subscriptions. So please, 15% off, 100WordsPod is the promo code. Best part, it ships free, and subscriptions can be canceled at any time. So if you do it for two months, then you're like, yo, I got too many beans, press a pause, no problem whatsoever. And what's even cooler is that I did my own custom blend for this particular podcast, the 100 Words Blend. You can find it as a link in the show notes, and you'll also be able to be reminded about the promo code in there as well. But again, BodyleafCoffee.com. Use the promo code 100WordsPod. It gets you 15% off of your roasted coffee subscription. The journey to a perfect bean is just a click away. Do it, please. And now actually let's talk to Haley because she likes coffee too. So let's go. You're a very interesting person for a multitude of reasons, but I was aware of you as like an internet human being, where it's just like, oh, here's this, yeah, which is it? I mean, I felt your humor was witty, and you did deep cuts on you know obscure metalcore bands, that I was like, oh, I feel like she's part of my team, so I'm following her or whatever, most likely on Twitter, (laughs) and then, and then once I started to kind of place you in the context of, oh, like cool she also plays in a band and she's very uh you know active in regards to not only you know absent father but all these other things you have going on and it's it it feels weird to me to kind of like discover a person like that and then retroactively get into their art even though technically twitter is an art which sounds stupid to say but (laughs) you get where i'm coming from um I'm sure I'm not alone in the fact that people have probably interacted with you and your music kind of that way where it's like, oh, here's just a person that, you know, it kind of exists in the scene. And then I follow them and like, oh, their music's actually pretty good. How (laughs) does that, you know, how does that kind of, I guess, jiggle around in your head? Is it just like weird to hear about those stories? Or is it just like, that's cool. I'm glad however people find me.
1: No, I think that happens to me kind of often because I, um, I feel like I I just, I forget sometimes that I play music. Like, that's not my primary um, identity feature. I I don't know how to describe what I'm trying to say, but... uh, I feel like I just connect with people that I like. If I rock with you, I rock with you. Right. So if we're connecting on the Internet, the first thing I'm going to say is not like, oh, by the way, check out my music. It's kind of just like, oh, we have conversations. And then like later down the line, they realize that I play music and they're like, oh, let me check it out. And then they're like, oh, okay, cool. And then we keep it moving. I don't know. It's never it's never like the first thing I say, because I don't I don't consider um I don't, I'm not, I'm not very good at like, what's the word? Self-promotion. Yeah. I mean, self-promotion for sure. But like networking is not my, like my motive. It's more just like, I want to hang out with people and talk to people that I find interesting and like want to connect with. And there's so many other things that I'm interested in besides music. While that's a huge part of my life. Um, Usually I connect with people for like, other reasons like sports or like our, you know, I, I'm a baker like I get along with a lot of bakers if you work early morning hours or if you work in a kitchen like we're probably going to have stuff to talk about or just on the internet um, like if we like the same music it's more like the focus is usually on other things besides my music because that's just not it's never been like something I feel comfortable being like oh by the way I do this check it out right And I I guess that
2: yeah no I I see it's true especially when people find elements of whatever a person's putting out there whether like you're saying it's you know tall to all my baker heads out there or the fact that I'm you know super into Philly sports or whatever like people follow along and then to your point if you sprinkle enough of just like hey I'm going on tour or whatever people then start to be like oh that's interesting as opposed to the other way around where it's like you are just shoving your stuff out there constantly. And people are just like, I get it. I know you play in a right. band. I know. So yeah.
1: Bands that I like never got into when I was in high school or college that were kind of popping off around then, And I just happened to be focusing on something else sonically. Uh, I'll like meet them several years later and then we'll connect over like something completely different than music um, and then I'll realize like months and months or years later that they were in this band that all of my friends were interested in or like I'm now really good friends with like my ex-boyfriend's favorite band like the guy that sings in his favorite band which is really funny. <laughs> um, yeah, shit like that happens to me all the time because it's just like I I get really interested in other things besides like what people are making musically I don't know yeah we're on music all the time so it's kind of like what else can we talk about
2: (laughs) true and I think too just based on the fact of one person's interests can span a lot of different things like you were talking about and so when you can maybe pull people over from one thing to another. It's kind of interesting to be, you know, whatever someone that's following you based around your interest in baking would be like, Oh, I'll I'll like check out this band or like, maybe I'll get into, you know, sports or, I mean, that's a little <laughs> yeah, hyperbolic, but yeah. you get the point. Get
1: I, dude, if I could get more people into sports, that'd be cool. No, but I have a really good friend now um, who lives in Salt Lake city. Uh, her name's Alex. And we met, um, at Sound and Fury, we were at a pre-show. We were at the um, we're, oh, it was the Super Heaven and Soul Blind show, the pre-show, and yep. uh, <laughs> I recognized her because she bakes at this bakery in Salt Lake City that I follow on Instagram. And I was like, I this is so weird. I recognized her tattoos from like pictures <laughs> that she'd been in. And, um, and I, I think I saw like one or two photos of her with their head cake decorator and I'm a cake cake decorator. So, um, I was like, Hey, this is really weird, but do you work at a bakery in Salt Lake city? And she was like, yeah, wait, do you work at timeless? (laughs) And I was like, yeah. (laughs) And we like connected then. And then we realized like we're all very good friends with all of soul blind and all of Koyo and all of like these other bands that, um, Like, don't even live anywhere near us. We've just been friends with them through the internet for a really long time. And I don't know, it was funny to connect over baking in the middle of a a Sound and Fury free show. But,
2: (laughs) right, right. Well, and honestly, I, I really like that story because it also showcases the fact that, especially when you get into subculture and things that are very specific, like, you know, vegan baking or whatever, it's like that's a small enough community where. You should realistically, you know, know or be fans of most of the people that are doing that stuff where it's Absolutely. Like,
1: yeah, yeah, right.
2: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll pull apart on uh, some of those other threads that, uh, you know, I know you sprinkle throughout your life, but, uh, you, from what I could gather, obviously on the internet, you, uh, were born and raised in the North Carolina area where yeah. specifically I'm-
1: I'm from Durham. Okay. Um, I was born and raised there, 919 forever. Um, it's a. I miss it. I love it. Uh, I love going back. Um, yeah, I went to, you know, I was born there, went to elementary school there, went to middle school and high school there. And then when I turned 18, I was like, I've got to get out because I did not appreciate it the way that I should have when I was a kid. Um, and I moved to Ohio. And I went to school in Ohio, went to college there. And then after I graduated, um, I stuck around. My grandma had uh, esophageal cancer. And when she passed away, I ended up moving to Philly. Stayed in Philly for a few years. And now I'm out here in Oakland, California. So I bounced around quite a bit.
2: Sure. Okay. With the the North Carolina family structure that you were being raised in, like mom and dad in the house, brothers and sisters, what did that look like?
1: Yeah, uh, my mom and dad were married um, my entire life until my dad passed away in 2020. And I have an older brother and an adopted little brother, and I also have an older sister. So I'm the youngest, I'm the baby. Um, and uh, nobody in my family likes music the way that even <laughs> I do. Like my, I mean, my sister listens to like top 40 on the radio, and my brother pretty much only listens to rap. My dad was super into like 70s, 80s, um, Jack Johnson, Hootie and the Blowfish, like stuff like that, which is where I got some of that from. And then my mom was pretty much all like Janet Jackson all the time. <laughs> so okay. kind of widespread for those kinds of interests, but um, they are all in sports. So my brother is a college basketball coach. Um, my dad did pretty much sports his whole life um, and then ended up getting into like finance Um my mom was uh, a child life specialist, which people don't really know what that is. Not anything to do with sports, but uh, she worked at the Brain Tumor Center at Duke in Durham in the pediatric wing. And it's basically just a position that educates kids and their parents on what's going to happen over the course of their disease. Um, really insanely difficult job i can't i still don't know how she did that for her whole life um and now she works in an adult diaper factory so there's like seven people in her job and they just sell adult diapers and then my sure. sister works for the washington capitals um before that she was at the university of maryland
2: oh so, that's cool <clears throat> yeah. definitely yeah you got i mean like most people do in families everyone's kind of not only doing their own thing, but forging their own path. But then there, to your point, there's that, there's little commonalities where you can just be like, oh yes, like our family is a sports family or a video game family or whatever. You can pull those things together that everybody agrees on.
1: Yeah. We all played sport. I, I played volleyball and I swam in college. And, um, you know, my brother and my sister both played sports. My, my adopted brother played golf in college. Uh, my brother worked for, he went to Clemson. So did my sister and uh he i can't remember what he started doing i think he just started doing video for them and then he was like the graduate assistant at clemson and now he um is the i think he's the associate head coach i don't know the exact title at charleston southern university um so they're all still in sports and i uh i was always a black sheep i got into subculture and unfortunately i um I like I'm in recovery, so I have about four and a half years clean, but when I was a kid I was I was doing <laughs> some very dumb shit. Um, so they didn't get into that. Good for right. them.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right, nice. right. <laughs> and uh before we go into that the uh i mean clearly living in the that area you have to be either you know duke or north carolina as far as you know, college sports is concerned i'm guessing you were a, a duke family based on the uh
1: yeah family yeah my uh my grandpa i think i've talked about this on a couple of podcasts actually so i hate always talking about it but my grandpa was athletic director at duke so before that he pitched for the pirates Um, and he was just a relief pitcher, uh, nothing too exciting, but he got drafted right out of high school. So he would play in the minors, um, half the year, and then he'd go to college the other half of the year, which is pretty cool. So it took took him like eight years to get to college, which is funny, but, um, he was following his dream and, uh, you know, got brought up from the minors and played in the majors, I think for three years. Um, and then he threw his shoulder out in a car accident in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And Duke hired him at first as the baseball coach there. And then they hired him as athletic director. So he's the one that hired Mike Krzyzewski, which is probably the biggest name ever in college sports, which is pretty cool. Um, I mean, and beyond that, like the first coach that he hired, I believe was the women's golf coach. And they won their first national championship um, from that That coach that my grandpa hired, so that was cool. He was there, I think, for 19 years.
2: Um, right, yeah, that, that's uh, I mean, I was gonna go in on you just because I uh hate, hate Duke, like many people do, based around the fact that uh, I my entry to sports in general was college basketball and I was born in Las Vegas, and so UNLV was my team, and so of course, the 90s Duke Blue Devils uh made, made a mockery, <laughs> mockery of them, and so I, I obviously have to rally around that, but. The fact that you clearly have such a deep history, I can't even make fun of that. I'm just like, yeah, of course you're going to be Duke. Duke Blue Blood. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you, kind
1: of, you just kind of have to at that point. Um, but right, yeah, right. I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't a, do it. It wasn't
2: me. I know. I, uh, yes, I mean, I can specifically point the f- finger at Christian Leitner and Bobby Hurley, and that's but most specifically Christian Leitner. But that's fine. That's fine. We that, don't need Christian to.
1: Leitner may be the most hated man to ever play college basketball. I'm trying to think of someone that people hated more. I mean, people really hated J.J. Redick at duke
2: for, oh absolutely yeah which is yeah. funny
1: because i i think he i mean obviously i'm biased but not only no is he he's a phenomenal inc- player
2: he totally. would have a
1: great you know career in the nba he also has a podcast that i really he am does fond of, so old, um, old man
2: of the three we go we, that's we go why deep my here.
1: favorite number is four because that was his college basketball <laughs> number
2: damn Haley, you are you are a real head you are not I, just like a light light dabbler you're 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 going deep i love it
1: no nobody ever asked me about sports either and also i'm really glad you didn't bring up the super bowl yesterday <laughs>
2: no why would i well no i don't i don't need to do that we, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, it's been we'll a rough right year for
1: philly sports so it's, yes. i'm i'm ready to get back into march madness although duke doesn't look terribly wonderful this year <laughs> i'm riding the train till it goes into the fucking ground
2: as Last you should hard yeah as you should so in your, uh, you know, North Carolina upbringing, being the baby, of the family, and uh, like you said, starting to get into, uh, you know, subcultures and all that sort of stuff, how, like, how did that get exposed to you in the first place? Was it, you know, your older siblings that kind of had a little bit of that influence as far as that was concerned? No, or was that all just the internet?
1: Not at all. Not even the internet. Um, I mean, like, I was on, like, MySpace, obviously, as any kid in that time period was. Um, And I definitely discovered a lot of bands that way. I don't know if you remember, like, people would post blogs. So I don't know if, I don't know how old you are, or how like our age gap is, but I'm 28. Um, I turned 29 in a couple months. So when I was growing up, like my friends would go to shows, and then they'd make a blog post about it. And then, oh like, sure sure you could go like you could give kudos and stuff like that was that was like the, the thing that people in my area would do and so i i was dating someone um when i was 12 he he was Sixteen, which looking back now, whatever. Um, but right, he right. in was retrospect, in, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little weird, but okay, well, whatever. Uh, yep. But he was in, he was into um, hardcore, and he actually played in the metalcore band. Um, Prayer for Cleansing is from like right next door to where I grew up, so every band oh, yeah. wanted to be Prayer for Cleansing or Undying or Catharsis or like any of those bands. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: so he got me into most of the music I listened to um, as a kid, and then I grow up um I was Southern Baptist. and like the thing for us was like when before you were a teenager, you'd go to a Wana, which is uh I don't want to say religious brainwashing, but
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't is. know I, I I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> I still self-identify as a uh, as a Christian and was raised within the you know church and made up my mind individually that I was like, yo I'm a fan of the big man or whatever. but I've never heard of <laughs> I've never heard of yeah. this program me, as it were me
1: and god are chill uh me and Awana. Right. i don't know Awana basically was just like i don't you just went and you memorized bible passages and like you had to get it completely correct or you wouldn't move to another level it was basically like brownies or eagle scouts but for christianity oh um, okay was, all right all interesting. right interesting um and uh yeah. Nobody really in my family, my immediate family was religious at all. This was all like a peer group thing. Like everyone was into Christian middle core. And so we all went to Ridgecrest Baptist church. Um, and it was like right around the school or right around the corner from my, um, high school and middle school. And, uh, we went to Awana and then once you became like 12 or 13, you could go to teen church. And so, we went to teen church and that's how I got into a lot of like the Christian metal core bands or even Christian shoegaze. We were talking about earlier, Morello's forest, Volor 100. I mean, Creed, obviously was like, he did <laughs> still love Creed, um, trust company, 32 leaves. I mean, I could go on and on. Um, right. Right.
2: Cause you, so it, you, you were basically like when you were going to essentially, which it sounds like youth group adjacent where it's like, so you, you and your friends were just like, Digging deep into all of the different genres and subgenres of Christian based music.
1: Yeah. So we had in at Ridgecrest, there was like a little bookshelf that had UCDs and um, like uh, t- videotapes, VHS tapes, and books and like things like that. And what I would always do is I would pull like any. Kind of anything that had a cool cover, I would pull that CD. I'm a big CD head still. Um, And if it looked like cool art, I would listen to it. And then if I liked it, what I would do is I'd go in the liner notes and see who they thanked. And if they thanked any bands, then I would go try to find that band on MySpace. And then I just would like keep on clicking or like following or, you know, reading about who else that band was influenced by or like whatever. And that's how I found a lot of like weird music that a lot of people have probably never heard of um <laughs> right which like i don't know i feel like uh writing now i i didn't really think about it but it influenced so much of like how i structure my songs um kind of for like a power chorus type thing because um, when you're in church like and you're listening to you know carl carty that's a deep cut right there he played it oh, wow
2: all right
1: church schooled
2: me okay <laughs>
1: all right. um if, when you listen, like, you know, you have a, a pre-chorus that's leading into like this giant chorus that's opening up and like there's keys, there's synth, there's guitar, there, like there's so much going on. And that's how I think about music sometimes is like I'll I'll write a basic guitar track and then I'm like layering everything over it until it becomes huge. Always make sure I have a good chorus and it's a hit.
2: <laughs> Let us do our merch check in with Rockabilia.com. First and foremost, you need to go to the website and you need to use this promo code 100 words or less, and that will give you 10% off your entire order. They just recently launched two amazing things that I am most likely going to buy because I can use my own promo code. So boom, there we go. How about a limited edition Descendants skate deck? How about that? Right? So cool. And Husker Dew. Rockabilia is from Minneapolis. Husker Dew is from Minneapolis, and they're doing a pre order for their new record that's hitting late April. Oh my gosh, talk about corporate synergy. But all jokes aside, I love Rockabilia. And what they do is they bring officially licensed merch to you. I don't care if it's your brother, your sister, yourself, your mom, your dad, whatever it is, they have it all collected underneath their umbrella at rockabilia.com. So use the promo code 100 words or less, 10% off your entire order. Basically, that's like me buying a shirt for you, you know? I mean, maybe not, but you get what I'm saying. I'm giving you a discount. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to get that. So 100 words or less, rockabilly.com Thank you very much for your continued support, Rockabilia. Buy the Descendant Skate Deck. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all want more time in our lives. You know, whether it's like, dang, I wish I had like another hour to, you know, play video games or read more or get outside or whatever it is. I know myself that I actually get questions a lot in regards to this podcast. How do you fit it in your day? And like, how do you do the interviews and all that stuff to be able to then balance the rest of my life from my work and, you know, playing in a band and I have a family, all of these things. But that is why therapy is so awesome, because it helps you be able to sort out your life to focus on the things that, for one, really matter to you, and two, try to find more time for those things that you love. That is why I love working with BetterHelp, because if you need to find a therapist, they're there for you. So give them a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient for you, and they can be suited to your schedule and you fill out a brief questionnaire, matches you up with your own personal therapist, and if you do not like that experience, you can switch it. No problem. No questions asked. It's great. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. It's an offer just for you, the listener of this podcast. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray I really, really enjoy people that have that background, like what you're talking about, where they're they're not opposed, you know, or turned off to listening to Christian bands because, especially too, it's like once, you know, Tooth and Nail and all these bands that were unbelievable started to break through and people that were, you know, hardcore atheists were like, yeah, you know, Zay, I was pretty sick. Like, that's fine. But <laughs> I just, I think there's so, to your point, there's so much good music that gets completely short-shrifted because it you know they have lyrics about god or whatever and it's like dude you're missing out
1: <laughs> yeah i mean people always i feel like switchfoot or emery or lifehouse or like bands like that always were kind of bigger into you know people could bypass the christianity aspect because there's like a radio friendly nature to it almost but then you get bands like poor old Lou that's another tooth and nail band
2: oh yeah never gonna be
1: on the radio probably um yeah I feel like I I feel like people definitely discount Christian music just for the sake of it being Christian when in reality like some of those bands explore greater themes than just like we love God like they're not singing our God is an awesome God like they're they're exploring Uh, darkness and like abandonment and things like that. And I think that's a universal feeling for a lot of kids, especially where I grew up, you know, like I said, I grew up in a pretty Christian friendly area, but all of my peers, like I was doing heroin. Like I wasn't necessarily (laughs) (laughs) abiding by the rules that my God had laid out. And I was doing all these things and wondering if I was going to hell and there were bands that were singing about things like that or like subverting from what the model Christian looks like and what that means for you as you grow in your own path. And then you eventually die, like what's going to happen. So I always found that super interesting and I definitely have had so many turns from like, you know, I am an atheist now, or like, Oh, I believe in God again. Like, I I don't know, I think there's something out there. Um, And sometimes for me, like, my God is just like, connectivity in general. And I think that music does that for people, you know, you and I come, you're Las Vegas, I'm North Carolina, how the fuck do we get here, where Mm -hmm. you and I are now on a podcast together? It's music.
2: Totally. Oh, I don't know. it's yeah. Crazy. No, it's it is especially because, like you said, when you're pulling all these things together and just be like, yeah, like no one should end up like knowing anybody ever because we're all just like transitory beings. And but it makes we no have,
1: sense.
2: Yeah, I, I I do not disagree. It's definitely um yeah. It's just wild on so many different levels, but. So when you, like you said, when you were, um, you know, <laughs> do, doing heroin and, uh, obviously writing alongside, uh, you know, going to youth group and stuff like that, how was that introduced to you via friends who were like not involved with that? Or was it like many other, uh, common, you know, Christian adjacent religions that are like, oh yeah, we'll show up to church on Sunday, but we're doing some terrible stuff on Saturday.
1: Pretty much the latter. I mean, it was okay. my, the, the ex that I, the aforementioned boyfriend, um, Yeah, uh, there's just really nothing to do or there was. Germ is a lot cooler now than it was when I was a kid. But growing up, there wasn't really anything to do. Really high dropout rate, um, really high pregnancy rate, really high crime, really high. I mean, like I could go on and on in my middle and high school. Um, So like, I think I went to my first period in high school, maybe four times or something like that. (laughs) Like I wasn't I was not. There's nothing to do except for go get fucked up, basically. Right. So right. That's that's kind of or go to church, and that's what we were doing. We we're doing both. Um,
2: <laughs> right, right. It was like, I mean, and to your point too, it's like that. They're not to typify small town experience, but it's like, yeah, when you are given. Bored teenagers and a lack of stimulation, it's very difficult to thread that needle and not be, even if it's, you know, not going down as dark of a path as other people do. It's still, it's like, dude, you're going to try drugs. You're going to get completely drunk like that. What else are your kids going to do around that area?
1: For sure. Like, I talk, sometimes I'm talking to my friends that like grew up in a city and, uh, I'll be like, oh, yeah, like, I remember, I I remember going to Stone On's house 45 minutes away, because that's how long it fucking takes to get anywhere where I'm from, uh, and uh, passing out in a hay bale, and then waking up and finding out that I peed on my phone, like all these like crazy stories. And they're like, what were you doing? (laughs) Right. Like, we were being normal. I was like, oh, so that's, you guys were, oh. Mm, okay. yeah it's like oh I'm gonna yeah keep you myself from now on. <laughs> but like I have all of these weird experiences growing up and uh you know heroin seems like such a oh, like it's an unimaginable thing for a 12 year old to be doing and looking mm. back now like I I have since coached volleyball and coached swimming and coached kids that are that age and I'm like you you're little like h- how was I your size doing the things that I was doing um and I don't know. I think shit just happens in a small town. I don't think that. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't hear of it happening as often to my friends that grew up with things to do mm-hmm. or parental supervision either.
2: <laughs> it's true. Why well, I often reflect on not often, but it's like anytime people talk about you know kids doing uh, devious stuff, it's like that movie Kids that came out in the '90s, and like I remember. So many people were up in arms being like, so this is what's actually happening with teenagers where they're running around, you know, having sex with everybody and blah, blah, blah. And it was like that. That's on the flip side of what you're talking about, where it's just like, well, yeah, these are kids that like had no supervision whatsoever. And so it's like if you put the lethal combination of you don't have anything to do and you got no supervision, it's like the gates are off. (laughs) There's no one that's going to stop you
1: hundred percent. And yeah. I, I mean, my brothers and my sister didn't get into any of that stuff at all. Um, I think, I mean, I, I know that they've done other stuff. I don't think they've gotten into like heavier things. I mean, I think they've smoked weed. I know they have. Right. I've smoked weed with my sister. <laughs> Cause you're like, I've
2: done it with them. I've done yeah. it with them.
1: Um, but like for the most part, like they were pretty normal. I think that um, I, I, like, I used to think that it was, more my parents fault that I was doing the things that I was doing. And now I've realized like through years of therapy and going to a 12 step program, like, you know, it was all my doing, like no matter what they were going to do, I was going to find a way to do what I wanted to do as a kid. And like, I think as we, as we grow up, we kind of rewrite the story of how things actually happened to make ourselves more the victim um, because it's easier to cope with but I've really tried to step outside of that narrative and be like no I was probably going to find that no matter what and the reason that I was doing those things is because that's just what was written for me and that's how I believe it if I didn't do it when I was 12 I was going to find it when I was 20 or I was going to find it when it was 30 40 is going to happen because I needed to get to the point where I'm at right now does that make sense right
2: yeah. Like oh, absolutely. All of right. the
1: things that have happened to me have led up to the moment that I'm sitting in right now. And yep. now I have like all of this knowledge and experience where I get to make choices for myself. And also, if I see someone else going down the same path that I did, I can got, gently guide them in a more productive way. Um, because I've yeah. been there. Right. And yeah. I think that's, I think that's really important. So, you know, I used to think of myself as a victim and like, oh, poor me. But in reality, like, I'm pretty happy with who I am in this very moment. And I'm looking forward to becoming even better in the future. And if I didn't go through all the shit that I did, then I don't think that I would. I don't know. I think, I don't know. I don't it know. Could how have... It would be. could have. Been yeah. He... Oh.
2: Of course, it could have it could have swallowed you, you know, much later and turned out, uh, you know, much darker. Where yeah. and you, no one has any idea. But yeah, I, I, I like your perspective on it. And so when you started to you know get into all these subcultures and everything like that, I presume your parents maybe like didn't know what to do with you or how did they react to you bringing these things home that were just not um, you know part of what they understood.
1: Um, I don't really think they ever noticed which okay. sounds bad. Like I, am not, I'm not saying that they were like absent parents at all. Like I, in a, in a way, yes. Like my dad was my, both my parents grew up pretty poor and um are very poor actually. Uh, And my, my dad was more focused on like, okay, well, I'm putting a roof over your head. Like that's what I'm focusing on. And that's right. That was his version of like the love that he could give. And um, I didn't, He, like, didn't come to, like, my games or anything like that. And when I was a kid, like I said, I, like, I thought it was, like, you know, I thought that was a bad thing. I thought I was a victim for that. But he was literally just trying to provide things that he never had. So he wasn't really super uh, involved or like in the know of the things that I was doing. My mom was like a little bit more so, but I was a sneaky bitch. (laughs) Like (laughs) I, a lot of the things that I was getting into, I, I hid. Um, I do remember like a couple years ago, she was going through, uh, my old childhood closet and she was pulling out like my old white chapel and like, stick to your guns and like all of the old t-shirts I had. And there's one, I think it was a stick to your guns shirt. That's like teenage mutant Ninja turtles on it. And she, this is how naive she is. She was just like, Hey, does anybody want these teenage mutant Ninja turtle uh, shirts? Like it says, keep running your mouth or uh, so, something like that on the back, something about pigs, like all pigs must die. Or like, I don't know what it was, but she was right. I don't, I don't know what this teenage mutant Ninja turtles shirt is about. She was just so disconnected from like the things that I was into. Um,
2: right, right. She's so it was more it was more clueless where it's just like I don't yeah. I don't I don't know what any of this means. Like these are words yeah. on shirts, but this doesn't mean anything. No
1: idea. She was like this white shirt looks scary. This Chelsea grin <laughs> shirt is terrifying. <laughs> what is it mean? So what good. Is a Chelsea so... grin. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love that. Yeah, so so she, when you start
2: Yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, you're good.
2: <laughs> I, I was just going to say, so like when you started to, uh, you know, go to shows, were you captivated by the idea of like playing or creating music somehow? Or was that just something that was way far off?
1: Um, it's, it, it's hard to really talk about sometimes because I, my the person I was dating, um, he, everything that he did, it was his thing and I wasn't allowed to do it. Ah, um, uh, sure. Which is not awesome, obviously. But so, like, my entire life, I just never thought that I could do it. And I've always been surrounded by a lot of men making music because of, like, the kind of music that I was interested in to- as a kid. Um, so I did not, this is crazy, but I did not know that I could play music until I was out of that relationship and I saw Best Coast play. Um, oh, sure. I- I love Best Coast. I've always loved Best Coast, and um, I before that I was like kind of getting interested in like oh I want to make music. I sang in choir when I was in high school, but like nothing. I never got solos. Like I was very much a background kind of person. Um, but I saw Bethany Cosentino, and she was playing like a Squire Strat, I think. And I remember like the shows that I had been going to on my own before that, I would like go home and Google what kind of instrument the person was playing. And then it would be like $2,000, $4,000. I'm like, I'll never be able to afford that. And then when she was playing this little Squire Strat, I Googled it and it was like a hundred bucks. The next day I went to Sam Ash in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, It was 2017 and I bought myself my first guitar. And then I just Uh started making music. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's that's amazing. I love that idea of, and it, it is interesting that dynamic that does exist in relationships where if you feel like one person, it's like their thing that you, you have to find something else. And, you know, only through time and perspective and more experience are you able to understand it's like, oh, dude, like I totally could have done that thing and like <laughs> it would have been fine yeah, but you
1: know. i don't I, I don't know when you're a kid like things just seem so much more serious and, and yeah. they were like that relationship was very bad and there there's concrete reason why um i did not just des- i decided not to partake in the things that he he was doing because i would like he would punish me um yeah. and uh I don't know. I, I was shooting photos a lot when I was younger. So I would, I would take photos of bands. Um, he had a punk house and I would like take, I would book a lot of the bands that came through. That's how a lot of people came to know me. Um, and then I would shoot their bands and that was like, I was like, Oh, maybe I'll be in this part of the scene. Um, and then I just, I kind of stopped doing that. I stopped taking photos, but I still booked when I lived in Ohio, I, I ran a house, um, very poorly. I might add like one of those things where you'd pass a bucket around the, the crowd and hope that five bucks went in. Um, looking back now and the way that we run shows now, I'm like, Oh my God, I really fucked a lot of (laughs) fans over on accident. My bad guys. Um, but yeah, so I was still involved in that side of things, but yeah, I like never thought that I could really do it until I saw that show. And that was literally in 2017. It, It feels like forever ago but you know we're in 2023 that's six years five and a half years really um yeah but I hit the ground running after that um I right yeah it, it's been a constant thing for me now I like I would when I was getting clean in 2018 the only thing that I could do all day was sit in my house for nine hours and play guitar and then go to a meeting so that's what I did
2: you're making up for lost time
1: yeah, for sure <laughs> <laughs> a lot of last time.
2: Let us talk about the fine people over at evilgreed.net. They are an amazing web store solution provider for bands and record labels. But what does that mean to you, the consumer? That means you can buy that merch that will ship directly to you. And on top of that, I'm going to give you a promo code. That will get you 10% off of your entire order. 100 words. Go to evilgreed.net, poke around, They act like a record label in the fact that they have a very specific point of view as far as heavy music, artistic music. Like They don't open the doors up to everybody where it's just like, whatever, here we go. We're a web store and this is what we do. No, they have a very curated list. Like, I'm just going to go through some of the bands that they work with. End, Gate Creeper, Blood Incantation, Power Trip. Amon-Raw, Bell Witch. It's just so much cool stuff. And then on top of it, they work with really great record labels like Triple B Records, Sergeant House, 6131 Records, so many things. But if you like any of that stuff that I told you about, you will absolutely find more things to buy at evilgreed.net. And I know you might be like, "Uh, Germany? I don't know, man. Like, I'm based in the United States of America. Their shipping rates are super cheap, and it gets to you very fast. I've ordered from them before, and honestly, I've got my order in California in less than 10 days. It's spectacular. So go to evilgreed.net, have fun looking around, and then ultimately get an awesome discount of 10% by using the promo code 100Words. Check it out and enjoy. Thank you, Evil.
0: Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the capital region turn to for nonstop action all winter long.
2: So, what was the proverbial, I guess, life path for you, as it were? Uh, I mean, I know you were obviously sorting through uh, the substance, abu- substance abuse, like we were talking about. But was there a vision of like, oh, this is what Haley is going to do for a career, and or was it not part no. of your uh, <laughs> part of part of your thinking at all?
1: Not at all. Um, like I, I, it sounds so cliche, but I just did not think that I'd be around long enough to have a career. Like I thought sure. I'd always be a job person, and I think I still am a job person because I enjoy learning new things. If I'm not constantly learning, like a new thing, or like talking to a new person, or doing a new thing every day, then I feel like I'm going crazy. But I, I just always thought that there was like this path laid out for me that everybody wanted me to have in my family which was like a sports thing or like a business thing. Like I I always assumed that's what everybody expected and wanted for me, especially my dad. Like, I don't know why I projected that onto him because after I got clean, he and I were like very, very tight. We didn't speak for six years. And then when I got clean, he was the first person to believe that I could do it. And um, I remember having the conversation about that, like how, how much stress that he was putting me under and all this stuff. And he was like, I never wanted anything but for you to be happy. And I was like, man, shit, yeah. I wish yeah. I knew more this. So It's <laughs> right. really just like this box that I created for myself that I put myself in and I just blamed everybody else for. And, you know, I, I went to college and I have two degrees. I double majored in women's studies and English and uh, I've never used them. And I don't know if I ever will, maybe in the future. But for right now, like I've really enjoyed... I love baking. I love what I do. And I got there from just working in restaurants, like odd jobs um, throughout like my, my youth and my um, young adulthood. And uh, I didn't really get into cake decorating until I moved out here to California. Um, I think things just find you. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's, I was talking to my mom about that actually a couple days ago on the phone and she was just like, I just admire that you, you know, you, try something new and you do it. And if you like it, then you stick with it. And if you don't, then you stick with it for a little longer until you have enough money not to do it anymore. And I was like, damn, you're right. Okay.
2: Yeah. You're kind of figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, the, this this kind of speaks to what I was talking about at the very top of the conversation in regards to, um, you know your 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 sense of humor and the the kind of openness that you put out there in regards to, I'm just you know off dome like this is this is what I like this is who I am and uh, that open nature, and that h- balanced with the humor like clearly cuts through not only your. Uh, and this is going to sound sort of cringy, but just the, you know, the online persona, but that is obviously who you are. Uh, And then clearly it bleeds into a bit of the music as well. How has humor kind of always played a part in your uh, life? Or is that just something that, you know, (laughs) you started to discover, uh, you know, the past couple of years?
1: I don't think I'm funny. I really don't. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't don't think I'm that funny. I feel like I mean, okay. I lied. I'm the funniest person I've ever met in my life. There you go. There you go. Perfect. um, But I, I feel like humor for a lot of people, especially people who have gone through substance abuse issues or domestic violence issues or whatever. Um, coping is kind of a, or, uh, excuse me. Humor is kind of a coping mechanism. So it's kind of like, well, you kind of, you just, you gotta, you gotta laugh about it or you'll cry. Um,
2: sure. Right.
1: That's, that's a little (laughs) bit of it for sure. Uh, but honestly, like, I just, I just say whatever pops into my s- silly little noggin. And <laughs> I don't really have like, you said online persona, it's just it's not really a. Persona it's just you. At all. Right. It's, it's literally just like what you see. I mean, and I'm not saying that everything that you see on the internet with me is real, because that's totally not true for anybody. Like, everything online is curated, whether you try to or not, like, you're gonna to try to put your best self out there, no matter who you are. Nobody's completely transparent on the internet, and there's a lot of layers to anybody um, that you're not gonna be privy to if you're just following them on a screen. But I will say that, like, I'm never gonna put anything online that I don't 100% back or believe. Uh, I used to, so before I got clean, like, I was kind of like, I was around this group of people where I thought that everything that they did and said was like the gospel truth. And like, they had it all figured out and uh, I've kind of found out the hard way that it was mostly virtue signaling. And so all the things that I thought I believed were actually just things that I adopted from them and regurgitated. And it wasn't until I got clean that I kind of discovered that I don't really believe a lot of those things. And I have a mind of my own, and I can make my own thoughts and opinions. And so now I'm just like, okay, well, it's important for me to exercise just saying whatever I think and whatever I feel because before I used to hold it inside, morph it around until it was more presentable and more like appealing to these other people. So right. I'm glad I'm where I'm at now. <laughs>
2: Right, right. It's like, I don't need to uh, temper this for other people. I just need to, um, you know, temper this in regards to the way that I'm delivering it or talking about it. It's like, oh, yeah, like it's not hurting anybody. Yeah, I'm just going to talk about, you know, obscure Christian metallic hardcore pants or whatever. What's wrong
1: with that? And also just having like the willingness to be wrong about certain stuff or realize that you don't need to talk about everything, like every little hot take on the internet, like you don't need to jump on. That was a big thing for me. I loved to pile on before, like in like 2017 and before I was like, ooh, pile on. This is going to get me likes. And now I'm like, I don't care (laughs) about any of this. Right, right. Why why would I insert myself into something that has absolutely nothing to do with me? Yeah. uh, A lot of peace with muting the word the and the word and on Twitter. Highly recommend. You don't see anything. Rock.
2: Right, <laughs> you don't see it I, I like that. I like that. Good pro pro internet tip. Yeah, pro Twitter sure. user. You know. Uh, so when uh, when you first started to um, you know play music and play shows and everything like that uh, with the I, I'm and I'm guessing like Absent Father isn't your I guess first for lack of a better term like band. You maybe existed in other uh, structures before that or no, what's the deal?
1: No, this is my first project.
2: Hell yeah! Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, when so, like, I guess when you started to you know put yourself out there like that uh, and play your first show and have those experiences, was uh, was it what you had expected it to be, or was it uh, terrifying a mixture uh... of all of those things?
1: terrifying anxiety inducing bad like I was really bad and I thought that um smoking weed or drinking um would counteract the anxiety and then it would make it worse um I was the type of person to like start playing a song and then fuck up and then like cry and go off stage like I couldn't do it anymore (laughs) okay Um, like it was bad it was really really bad and I remember having a conversation with somebody um in Columbus when I was living there and he was just like yeah you're just like not very good (laughs) basically. And I was like, mm, okay. So after that, um, I actually, I, at first I was like upset with him. And then I was like, mm, you kind of right. <laughs> and uh, I started taking it a little bit more seriously and working on myself more. And the more I worked on myself, the better my music and my art became. And then the more confident I was playing, because I'm at a point now where if I play what I consider to be a bad show, it's probably not a bad show if that makes sense. Like I've worked so hard and I've honed my skill enough and I'm still working on it. And I always will, but I'm, I've honed it enough to be like passable. Even when I feel like it's bad, it's probably going to be pretty good to whatever, like the audience watching it is because I've put so much time, effort, energy and care into what I've been doing, which that feels really good. So there's no, no real anxiety anymore. Which right. Is great.
2: Cause you're, Right. I mean, that's where, I mean, there's always going to be a little bit of that like nervous energy, but not to the point where like you're talking about where there's an error and you have to uh, completely go crying off stage. It's like, Oh, okay.
1: If I fuck up, I'm just going to keep going. Like, first of all, not enough people listen to my music for them to even know that I fucked up. So why care? Um, But also just like, I think now I am learning how to differentiate anxiety from excitement. And a lot of the times that I thought that I was anxious like in the past year or two, I realized that I was just really excited to be there. And so now before I like go on stage, if I feel that little bubble, you know, that little like that that tick in your chest where you're like, "Oh god, the nerves are there." Sometimes I have to really evaluate whether I'm actually anxious or if I'm just excited, and usually it's I'm just excited, and if I'm anxious, then I'll call my mom, and she'll be like, "You're gonna do great," and I'm like, "You're so right," and I'm good. Gonna-
2: <laughs> right, right, and then and then that's and then you can play the set. That's perfect. Yeah,
1: I, yeah. I uh,
2: I also don't think your uh, band could be more like the 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 title and the name is probably like chef's kiss one of the best things that i've ever like
1: dude it's so bad
2: <laughs> dude no i disagree with you okay let me put it this way you can say this to just like any random person where it's just like hey there's a band name called absinthe father and it's like huh it's it's always going to get a reaction like a little yeah. chuckle little chortle i understand the element of like Oh, like, Oh, real kitschy, like (laughs) real creative, whoever got into this, but it's going to inspire a reaction. And I I don't know. I mean, clearly you've lived with it longer than I have, but at the same time, I don't know. I think it's pretty good.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I do hear all the time that people think it's good, but I think, I don't know. It's like when I got clean, I was so embarrassed to like talk about my project to my parents because of the connotation. Um, and, uh, yeah, I always anytime I'm talking to anybody above the age of like 30, I'm like, um, yeah, it's called absent father. Absent <laughs> right. like the beverage, father like the guy that died. Oh, oh <laughs> like yeah, it's, oh. Not, it's not it's not awesome. Um, but I I do I thought about changing it before the new record came out because I was like if I'm going to do it, I should do it now and um I didn't, I chose just to stick with it. So we're in it for the long haul, I guess.
2: Yep. Right. (laughs) Yeah. There's a, yeah. No turning back now. Yeah. This is uh, this is what you got. I, and I, am sure that because of, I mean, lyrical content and the, uh, the sadness that clearly exists within the songs as far as you putting it out there. And then I'm sure the juxtaposition of like when people meet you and they're like, Oh, like, you're, you know, you're chill or funny or whatever, like that idea that people have to exist in the emotion that their songs are, their art is, uh, how do the interactions play itself out with people that, you know, do have that reaction when they, you know, meet you or interact with you. It's like, Oh, you, you're not just perpetually sad or, or miserable.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like I haven't, I haven't had too many people comment on that, actually, which is interesting. The the times that I do get um, people that expect me to be sad is when people are trying to share their grief or like it's it's kind of overwhelming sometimes after a show. You know, I, I'm singing about like my father and I were very, very close at the end of his life and um, I ha- have never talked about it and I never thought that I would talk about it publicly because my family is a very private family but they're never going to listen to this. So um, my dad died of alcohol withdrawal. Um, mm, okay. The day before my 2 years clean. So, he was trying to get sober and I was driving back from Los Angeles actually. And, um, I had recorded the demo version of um the first single off of my new record and um w- with my friend Phil and we just like run run into each other in Los Angeles. I was just out there cuz it was COVID time and I was fucking bored in Philadelphia. And so I went out there, ran into him. We were like, "Uh, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I just wrote a song that I think might be my best ever. And he was like, okay, let's go record it. So I recorded that and then immediately left from the studio to drive back to Philadelphia. And I'm like, maybe 10 hours out probably. And I'm like, oh, I I could just drive back to North Carolina and like go hang out with my family for a little bit, maybe go to the lake. And instead, I I was like, I have to go sell a t-shirt because somebody bought it off my eBay. And so I drove to Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, stupid. Right. On totally. the way there, my dad calls me and we're having like a normal ass conversation. And um, I didn't think anything was wrong. We were literally just talking normally. I get back to Philly. I uh, We went to like this rave in New Jersey. And I got back at 4am. And then I get a call from my mom at 9am. And I hear it like I hear it in her voice. I know I know something's wrong. But my sister and my sister-in-law were pregnant at the time. And my my grandmother and my grandfather had both been in pretty poor health. And I, I went through the list. I was like, did Kendall lose the baby? No. Did Lauren lose the baby? No. Did Gumpa die? No. Did Grammy die? No. Baby, your father did. And I fucking lost it. I had no idea what had happened. I had just talked to him, got in the car. Actually my best friend, Morgan, who lived with me, um, she went to the falafel cart down the street, got me a falafel, packed my bag of clothes for me. And I got in the car. And, um, when I got down to North Carolina, I was just like, what the fuck happened? Like I just talked to him. They thought he had COVID. Like he, he had been drinking a lot heavily, more heavily in COVID. Um, like in that time period, because he lost his job. Like a lot of people did. And, um, he had been an alcoholic my whole life and it was never really like, nobody really said anything about it. Cause if you're from the South, you probably will understand families can be pretty appearance based. And that's another reason why when I was a kid, things were just kind of like pushed to the side. Like if my parents did know what was happening, which my mom now kind of admits like, okay, we knew something was wrong. Um, you just kind of ignore it. You brush it under the rug and hope that it doesn't cause any problems. And that's what we did with my dad's drinking. And, um, yeah, my, my mom finally told me that, uh, he had like, he would go down to the basement and drink. And then when he would come upstairs, um, to go to bed, he had fallen a few times. My dad was six foot eight, like huge guy. Um, and, uh, he woke my mom up. My mom again, works at the adult diaper, diaper company, uh, she had to get up at three or four in the morning to go to work and sh- he would wake her up. And so she was like, dude, if you don't stop doing this, if you don't stop getting this drunk where you're falling down, like we're going to have a problem. And so he decided to stop drinking three days in, he died.
2: Jeez, that's brutal. I'm sorry like, to hear that.
1: Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's tough. Like I really, I, I don't think I, I, I've told like maybe six people about this. Um, and it's, I think it's important for me to talk more about because the reason my dad died is because he was holding on to a secret. And I'm not going to let myself die in the basement. I'm not going to hold on to a secret that's going to kill me. So he had called my aunt, who has like 11 years now, just clean and sober. And he told her what was happening because my mom straight up thought he had COVID because he was like cold sweats. Hallucinating, like we didn't. It was in that time period of COVID where we didn't really know what all the symptoms were. Sure. Um, but he told my aunt on the phone the night before. Uh, he was like, "I think that I have a problem," and that was the first time he had ever admitted it. And she was like, "This is a life or death matter. You cannot pass go. You cannot pass like collect two hundred dollars. Go to the fucking hospital right now. Like you need help. You can't do it alone. Because what people don't realize is like alcohol." completely suppresses your central nervous system it's not like you know when i was withdrawing from heroin yeah it fucking sucked i felt like the bones were breaking out of my body but i was not going to die from withdrawal you can die from a heroin overdose you can die from fentanyl poisoning you can't die from a heroin withdrawal or you know it would be other reasons like your heart shutting down sure anyway right alcohol withdrawal, it's your entire central nervous system and his just shut down. That's it. Three days. That's all it took. Um, And yeah, so now like when I I put all these songs out, I wasn't really expecting for me to go on stage, sing about my best friend in the world and the only person who had ever believed in me um, after I got clean, really um, dying. Uh, I wasn't expecting other people to come up to me and be like, Hey, this happened to me too. Like not in the same way. It, he'll, the, it, people would be like, Oh, like my dad died too. And this is the tragic story of how he died. And then I have to relive it again and again and again, every single time someone comes up to me after a show and talks about it. And normally right. I'm, I'm, I'm down, you know, like I'm, I'm very obviously comfortable having a conversation about grief. Um, it's important. It's important everybody goes through it. But sometimes it can feel extremely overwhelming. And like, I just got on stage and had to sing about this tragic thing that happened in my life. And it can be pretty empowering, but it can also be pretty fucking sad. It can be both at the same time. And then I have to come off stage and listen to like the worst thing that someone else has ever experienced. And then go through that again. And it's kind of like, dude i wish i made pop music like i wish i made happy yeah. music so i didn't have to fucking think about this all the time it that's right. that's really the the times where it gets me sorry i just went yeah. on fucking a huge rant but dude
2: that's it is i, I mean i genuinely appreciate you sharing all of that because I, I i mean so much of what you said is important for people to Not only hear, but then recognize and empathize if people in their lives or they themselves are going through that. And the only way you're ever going to have that discussion is if someone like literally puts it in front of you. And like that's, I think that's that. It's great. I very much appreciate that.
1: I, I feel like people. I mean, especially where I'm from, but I think people in general like it's such a taboo topic. To talk about where like we're finally getting to the point where people can talk about like sex and gender and like things that are traditionally not, um, you know, acceptable speech for like, you know, a common conversation. But we haven't gotten to that with drugs and alcohol yet. And I don't know if anyone's noticed, but a lot of people are fucking dying right now. Fentanyl is everywhere. Like alcohol is everywhere. You can you can walk to you know a block any direction and you're gonna find a you know somewhere where you can buy liquor. I don't know. I just feel like nobody really wants to talk about it in the way that we need to talk about it.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, especially because so much. I mean, granted, I am a person that is straight edge, so I come at it from a very different perspective than others who have entered it and maybe can't recover from it but it it is just one of those things because it's so hard baked into our culture it is so difficult to have those honest conversations because it's just like well yeah of course you drink like if you don't like that is such an uncommon experience and it's yeah it's it's hard to and then moving past that it's then hard to have those conversations like you're talking about where the dependency of alcohol that so many people end up getting into you you never know how it's going to uh consume them whether it is like yeah they're just gonna be a functional alcoholic the rest of their life until all of a sudden they just wake up one day and or or actually just don't wake up one day and it's like you never know
1: and that's what happened with my dad like he went down to the basement he was watching golf and he never woke up yeah yeah and that's it yeah i yeah i it's kind of astounding to think about sometimes but
2: yeah yeah absolutely
1: damn i had a thought in my head from what you just said and it already passed
2: but it's okay it's okay that's it's all right that's the drugs talk no
1: probably <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly i'm fried that's the cool thing though I, not to make it like a joke but this is kind yeah. of kind of a joke but kind of serious i genuinely think that if i close my eyes and i think hard enough i can get high
2: right <laughs> like I like do. i can remember that right? <laughs>
1: Like if I just, if I, if I just pinch my, my knuckle and I close my eyes, and I turn around three. No, I'm just kidding. Um, sure. Sure. But I, sure. I do like when I'm around people, uh, luckily, like in my band, they're pretty tame. Um, like I have, I am, I did claim edge uh, and my other bandmate crystal is straight edge as well. So we have like, there's a difference between people who, are in recovery and people who are just straight edge and like we can get, we, we have like that common link of sobriety, but there are some things that like I can't really express to, you know, gold star straight edge people. Um, right. But she gets a lot of it, which is great. And uh, then my other bandmates, like they're normal. And that's what pisses me off the most. Cause like we'll go somewhere and they'll have like a beer and not finish it. And I'm like, What? You
2: <laughs> like, you're like that's a possibility really like
1: what are, like, what are you talking about like <laughs> what do you it's so it's crazy but they, they're they pretty tame um and they're just like a joy to be around and they're they know everything and i go to i go to like meetings when i'm on tour like on zoom and stuff so like it's it's very easy to be uh unlike i don't know if you remember this it's hard to be straight edge in delaware it's very easy to be straight edge and absent father <laughs> <laughs>
2: I love that. I love that. Um, it, and like you mentioned uh, before, in regards to you know moving to California and then pursuing the the baking life, as it were. And how how did you get into that? Like, is that? I mean, usually people that uh, have that sort of you know discipline or interest have it from an early age of like oh yeah i started baking cookies as a kid or whatever was that something that you just randomly got into and then now are really really enjoying it
1: dude i could not bake a cookie to save my life before <laughs> like i like all of my cookies would will be flat like i couldn't do anything <laughs> when i was a kid it was so it was insane like i could not bake to save my life i've always been good at cooking always been good at cooking i cooked for myself from a very young age um and my mom's an incredible cook uh her mom was a good cook. Like everybody in my family has been, food oriented. Um, and Durham actually is the tastiest town in the south, according to I think it's like Southern Living magazine or whatever. Oh, so, beautiful! Yeah, that's so good. That, is yeah, like that's a, good. Yeah, very foody place. Um, and uh, I think also like be- getting into veganism, you have to be a good cook. Um, like you learn so much about like other countries cuisines and spices and like all sorts of things like I don't know I, f- I feel like that was my experience at least and I've always seen a lot of people who decide to go vegan um like if you're bad at cooking and you're vegan like you're fucked you really mm-hmm. are
0: so yeah.
1: anyway I've always been in restaurants um like I I, w- I was serving from like I think I was like 16 when I got my first serving job and then when I moved to Columbus or well I moved to Ohio for school. I went to Denison, which is like right outside of Columbus, and uh, I worked in two bars. And I also served. I had like four jobs at once because I was crazy. Uh, but I uh, I was working in kitchens and stuff. And um, I started working at a fine dining restaurant in Columbus after I graduated, and uh, it was the number one restaurant in all of Columbus, the Cucina Serato, Shouts out. Okay. Um. And uh, we were pretty short staffed and there were like plenty of times where my chef would be like, Haley get on the line and I'd be like, what the fuck do you mean get on the line? I'm (laughs) right. Um, But I would do it and I would do well. And so then I started doing like garden, which is like all the cold apps and things like that. Um, And there was one point where like during service I was doing garbage. So that's all first course stuff. And, my chef fires our pastry chef in the middle of service and we're all looking around like what the fuck are we going to do and he was like hayley will do it and i looked at him i was like jamie i don't know how to do anything <laughs> he was like yeah, you got it right and coming from like a more creative background like i do like to create visually appealing food so basically i just you know made some shit that looked good from the stuff that we already had prepped. Like I knew what went into it and I plopped some shit on a plate and made it look nice. And it went out. And then afterwards he was like, you did really well. And I was like, are you complimenting someone for the first time in your life? Like, I don't think I've (laughs) never heard anything. Like this is a man that's like thrown tiramisu across the kitchen before. Sure. Sure. So I was like very like thrown back or uh, thrown off by it. And, um, he was like, yeah, you should, you should like continue to do this. So I just started doing pastry there for a long time. And then I just, I'm someone where, uh, this is definitely like a, a thing in my brain. Um, like something might be wrong with me that was not diagnosed as a child where I will deep dive into whatever I'm getting into. Like right now I have probably a hundred tabs open about Nevada wildlife. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but I like, if I find an interest, I'm, diving into it. So I would just go home and look at recipes and I would just like bake for like six hours and then you know, figure some shit out. And I was like, oh wait, I'm actually pretty good at this. It's just that I wasn't good at following directions as a kid. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's what it was. So started baking then and then when I moved to Philadelphia, um COVID happened pretty quickly after I I moved there. Um I guess not, maybe a couple years, but I, I worked in a little tart shop for a while and then um I just kind of like stopped doing it. And then when I moved to California, I was like, hey, I actually really liked baking. Let me try it again. Try it again. Pretty good at it. Who would have thought? Right.
2: That's amazing. I love it. So that, that's really cool that you were able to not only be thrown in head first, but then be able to kind of pull different parts of your brain together to be like, all right, so this is how you do it. You know, you followed instructions a little bit, you know, maybe put your little creative energy on top of it. And then here we go.
1: Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know what part of the brain it is, but I'll like, I, if I look at something, like I can do it. Like if you show me, that's how I got into cake decorating really. is like someone showed me a final product and I was like, okay, I'm going to figure it out. And I figured it out and I'm good at it. So I don't know. Yeah, worked out for me.
2: Sure. Uh, The last thing I want to hit on was you, you know, starting to get out there and tour. I mean, I know you've obviously toured before, um, but how has your experience because you've obviously moved around to a lot of different places in the country, do you like touring and traveling under that, um, you know, uh, under that mode of being in a band or is that something that you are just like, well, I know I need to do it because I like to hang out with my friends and play music. Uh, <laughs> where do you kind of sit there?
1: If I could only tour for the rest of my life, I would do it. Right. <laughs> like if I, if I could not, if I could just not pay rent anywhere and just, I actually, I do like having a home base. I will say that. Um, but, and it kind of ebbs and flows for me. Cause sometimes I'm like, okay, like I, I'm tired, but for the most part, I have such a wandering spirit. And that's why I've moved around. Like I'm not, I'm not moving because I have to move or because like, I don't like where I am. Philadelphia is the greatest city in the world. I will maintain that until I die. I did not leave Philadelphia for any reason other than I I just felt like I needed to get out. Like I, I, I feel this innate urge to explore and visit new places and try new things. I don't know what it is, but it's in me. So touring scratches that itch pretty damn well.
2: Yeah, um, I'd say so.
1: Yeah. I I mean, it's amazing. (laughs) And sometimes I'm like, I wish like in an ideal world, I would plan like a hundred day tour where I hit all 50 continental U S states, uh, and I have a day off in the same place every every other day, so playing <laughs> right. in Las Vegas, hanging out in Las Vegas, playing in right. Reno, hanging out in Reno, like that would be ideal. Um, right,
2: F- fifty shows, fifty days off, boom, done. <laughs>
1: perfect, like that's <laughs> ideal. So yeah, I I definitely am in trying to tour as much as physically possible, and luckily I have bandmates that are willing to do the same. There's obviously like a few. Um, things like my basis has a kid and other people have jobs and things like that silly little things not amazing. yeah
2: lo- loser behavior that's what yeah, we call lo- it Loser yeah, yeah.
1: um yeah. but for me like you know i i'm not tied down by anyone or anything and i'm trying to do it as much as possible whether it's like solo or band or whatever uh, i'm in it so yeah that's, that's what we're trying to do in 2023 <laughs>
2: I I love it. I love it. Well, the last thing and I'll put on your plate, and this is, uh, you know, very unfair to put you on the spot, but uh, like we were talking about with uh, obscure metalcore bands, uh, if I were to be like, all right, just Haley, like if, if you just throw out like one or two bands that obviously people either don't know, broadly speaking, or is are like so underappreciated in your eyes, what would you come up with?
1: Oh, do I have to do metalcore?
2: No, no, you can. You okay, can. okay. Let us pray. Let us pray.
1: Um, let's think, because I, I mean, we just went on tour with Bug Bath, and I think Bug Bath are amazing. They're from Reno, Nevada, and like they're just they're a great people, and they make really good music. Um, what else do I want to shout out? There's so much good music right now. Prize Horse from Minneapolis. Those are very some good of my record, dear, dear friends. Um, like straight up like those three people are some of the first people to ever really believe in me in in making music like I've played shows with their old band before I even like knew what I was doing like they' they're genuine people um what else do I think i'm I'm trying to think of like bands that are older too I don't want to just shout out news
2: <laughs> no don't worries like I said oh, I put no. you on the spot so don't it's it's fine you can you can uh you know, uh, think about that and uh, come and report back to me at some I other. Think, uh... I,
1: I think I will, but I will also make everyone go back and listen to Sugar Colt because Sugar Colt fucking rocks and I've been on a Sugar Colt kick lately. Um, but other than that, like I'm really into power pop. So, like Emmett Rhodes, Teenage Fan Club, Big Star, uh, Wilco. I mean, that's a huge name, obviously. But yep. bands and that in that genre, I think are pretty, pretty passed over.
2: Oh my goodness. Isn't Haley just a gem? Oh man. I, I really gave her no choice but to be my friend after this conversation. And honestly, that's what I have a tendency to do with most people that I have on the podcast, whether they know it or not. I'm like, well, looks like we're friends now. (laughs) Ha ha! I tricked you. Maybe that's why I started this whole podcast, just to like get more friends in some really weird way. But anyways, thank you very much, Haley, for walking me through your life and all of the questions that I asked. Next week, I have another great conversation. Can you believe it? Like, it's, it's predictable. It's so predictable, but it's great. I have Jake Collinson from Judiciary, who just released an unbelievable record on closed casket activities. Judiciary is, uh, I would say, a mainstay in the Texas hardcore scene as of now. They uh, don't tour a ton, but when they get out, man, people love seeing their shows. I have yet to see them, but I really enjoy their musical output. Jake is the vocalist, and uh, we did it. It was a very fun conversation. It was (laughs) even funnier because, you know, in my internet research, as I was preparing to, uh, you know, check out a person and develop some questions and what have you because I I don't like to be so unstructured to where I'm not prepared. I was uh, looking up Jake uh, in his Instagram profile and I'm like, oh, he already follows me. I'm an idiot. And apparently I did not notice that. But anyways, Jake Collinson from Judiciary is on next week. And until then, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp.